you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Jim Steinman's Bat Out of Hell, the musical, is playing for a limited run at New York City Center starting August 1st, featuring Meat Loaf's timeless hits like Two Out of Three Ain't Bad, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, and I'd Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that. It's winner of Best Musical from the London Evening Standard Theater Awards 2017. Tickets are now on sale at batoutofhellmusical.com. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live Podcast. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside, well, normally I'd say the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano. He's not with us today, but, all right, so I, I this is a weird way to start the show, whatever, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I have been referring to Graham Barfield as the next-gen stats guru, but it was brought to our attention recently that Graham looks like a much younger version of the actor Tom Skerritt, who's best known as playing Viper in Top Gun. And so now I'm wondering if maybe he should be the fantasy Viper. Yes. Uh, I feel like this is a thing we should put out on the interwebs. I mean, I don't get to choose my nickname, right? No, like, nicknames choose you. If, if, if I were given the choice between the guru and the Viper, 
I mean, I think the fantasy viper it has is it. to be the viper. Uh, well, we might as well just go on and, and ask our guests who are here with us today. You know them, you love them. Uh, they are the leaders of the Foot Clan: Andy Holloway, Jason Moore, and Mike Wright. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. It's a, oh I, man! I guess I have to ask you. I mean, if you had the choice between Next Gen Stats Guru and Fantasy Viper, which way are you guys going? How is that even a question? Yeah, <laughs> come on, it's Viper all Viper. the way. Is he going to commit to the mustache only? I mean, that's the thing, though. Is like. I think I'd look pretty ridiculous just with the stats. There's only one way to <laughs> confirm sure. that. I don't. I, I mean, you guys haven't seen me with a beard, but if I don't have a beard, like my jaw and everything, I look like a small child. Well, <laughs> yeah, you I do mean, have baby soft skin. Thank you. <laughs> I guess. Oh, Mike's making his mark on the podcast already. <laughs> Absolutely. So, okay. So, I guess that's it. I mean, we can put it to the uh, to a vote to the internet, but I feel like we I feel like we have spoken. The, yeah, it's the, the viper. Parties have it's spoken. Done. He is now the fantasy viper. So that was. I'm glad we got that out of the way. What? What? How's your snake sound? Back out. That's a leaky tire. Back out. It's not good. I don't practice snake uh, snake noises. You're gonna so have you don't to. As much as you might. You're think. gonna have to. Uh, yeah. Oh man, uh, we got a full show for you today. Of course, the uh, the footballers are here, so we will talk to them uh, about a myriad of things. Uh, you know, we'll do a fantasy draft of things because I think that's just a fun thing to do with um, with people around here. I've uh, got some news and headlines, of course. But uh, before we do that, as always, we'll go behind the glass to talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murphy, you got a new studio back there, man. Yeah, a lot of new toys, but they're like half broken toys, so I'm not like, fully. <laughs> excited yet but it's, uh, it's the island of misfit toy yeah back there. it's we're slowly getting there and uh you know thanks to everyone that put a lot of hard work into this studio for like two and a half three weeks they did um but we will use this studio we also will use stage five which we used a, a little bit ago which looked really really nice so we'll do a little bit of both you know we're going to have two shows coming up soon uh when the season's starting so it should be fun eddie i got a text from my dad last week and he was like i uh, saw some of the, the videos you guys shot from the the new st- the new studio he's like it looks great i'm like well don't get used to it yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, we will use it. It doesn't. It's a lot of moving parts to get there, but you guys did look really, really good in there. The set's just awesome. Not that this one's bad. I think I'm just used to it for three plus years being here. But that new one downstairs looks really, really nice. Yeah. So uh, looking forward to it to using it. Um. So you guys started this thing in 2014, right? I mean, just kind of a, a, a bunch of guys trying to figure out do something new. Did you ever imagine? I mean, the way the Foot Clan has grown, the whole community. Did you ever think it was going to be like this? Not really. Not like this. I mean, uh, it's just crazy how fantasy has grown. All the technology around fantasy, all the exposure, the growth of the NFL. Uh, you know, Jason, so Mike and I started the thing literally doing a podcast for our league. It wasn't for anybody else. We just got on our once listenership a week. was amazing. Yeah, it was 11 listeners plus, plus <laughs> us. And then, uh, you know, we, we started doing that and we just, it was for the community of the league. You know, you get in these leagues with people that you love, you love making fun of them. You love lording your victories over them. You love making fun of stupid trades. That's all we did. And Jason comes along. He's like, guys, this is just too fun. you got to do this for the public. And then, you know, we brought him along too. And, 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 and then, then we grew. And then we, and then we grew. <laughs> it was all you. I don't, you know, I don't want to say it, but you said it. But he was, the, he, you know, Jason, to his credit, he was the one that said, you know, this could be really big. And I'm like, yeah, but big in fantasy. I mean, fantasy, that's a niche. What can happen? I mean, how can I 
you know, make a living doing this, get to talk about something you love doing, and and uh, here we are somehow. I don't, you know, I don't know. Well, and it's expanded now because you guys have expanded to the Spitballers podcast, which goes just beyond fantasy and just more of a, a comedy kind of podcast. I mean, what is next for the the Foot Clan Empire now? Mm. Not baseball. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yes. yeah, we had an interesting conversation about oh. that before the show. I did not He's realize. Never spoken something truer. Yeah. <laughs> it's really true. I mean, people ask all the time, "Are you going to be?" You know, do other sports, do fantasy no. baseballers. Like, the problem is baseball's terrible. Oh. And I think we can all agree. Um, so that's <laughs> We're going to have to ask you to leave, issue. sir. We're gonna- <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you, Marcus. No, Thank you. The, the real problem is uh, season-long baseball just takes way too much it time. It is a uh, few more games. Way you too are right. much time. <laughs> <laughs> just, just slightly more. Slightly uh-huh. more. Yeah. Um, you know, before the show, when I, when I went down to the, the lobby and you guys were standing there and I, and I got you, I'm, I'm wearing a, mm. uh, a Roto-Wear Funkmaster yep. Flexspot t-shirt, and uh, Andy admitted that he almost wore the same so shirt. Oh, no. Uh, it would have been super, super awkward. But it did make me – I did have a fashion question, and that was, Mike, your, your SP suit, which yes. which took off on the, the Twitterverse. Where where did you get that? <laughs> and might I ask why? Right <laughs> where and why? <laughs> so – uh, the the whole invite to the ESPYs was, was pretty last minute, and this might shock you and some of the listeners, if especially if you know me. Mm-hmm. I don't own a, a suit, <laughs> uh, so I was looking. I'm like, what do I go? Just do I go spend up and buy a suit that I can wear now and wear later? And then I found something on Amazon for a hundred a hundred dollars that had same day shipping. So I got that bad boy. It was a pink suit. And look, it was I knew it was gonna be hot. So short sleeves and shorts, it just made sense. And it turned into this thing where um I did a, a the media red carpet, and now they're pulling me on, like, okay, before we talk, who are you wearing? <laughs> Bezos. Jeff like, Bezos. This is, uh, same day shipping Amazon. And pe- people could not handle the fact. That I that I bought a suit off of Amazon. Oh my god! I mean, it's amazing. That th- Look, I would be. I can't even say that it's it's out of line because remember the the history of the ESPYS. We had Brian Wilson when he was still a thing with the the San Francisco Giants, wearing like an actual bodysuit to the ESPYS. So I feel like a pink short set suit. It's part for the course. Oh, I, I looked. I took a cue from Beckham. And if you saw, Beckham was also in a short suit that right. list this year as well. So next- I'd be careful about telling Mike that he's too conservative at the ESPYs. <laughs> I was going to say, next year you've got to go like the, the Zeke Elliott route and maybe oh, go the crop top the a little bit. Yeah, man. I'll make a note. There you go. Oh, oh man. I will I- say you're one of very few people that actually could pull that off. Yes. So congrats. <laughs> yes. so congratulations. Thank congrats you. Because I would that. look so silly. If Andy and I were there... <laughs> And we were all in pink suits. We would have a hard time getting out of the vehicle to go walk the red carpet. <laughs> yeah, he's got to own it, man. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm not. I'm not mad about it. Um. All right. So, fun and games aside, we're, let's talk some fantasy football because that's deadly serious, and we can never laugh mm-hmm. about this ever again. So, Eddie, let's do some news. <laughs> Through the news. Uh, we'll start in Cincinnati where A.J. Green, or at least the news around A.J. Green, seems to be getting worse. Uh, there was a mild Twitter panic over the weekend when he first went down, and then it sort of calmed when it looked like maybe it was just a sprained ankle. Uh, that appears to not be the case now. Uh, I will say uh, when Zach Taylor is coming out and saying we hope to have him back for the first half of the season. Oh. 
That is not encouraging news. So as we kind of go around the horn, I will start with you, Jason. I mean, what what are your thoughts, your feelings on A.J. Green? Where are we looking at him now in drafts and that sort of my, thing? My thoughts and feelings are, are, I think, more negative than most. Obviously, everyone's feelings right now are negative that nobody wants to draft an injured player. But sometimes you see that ADP slip. You want to buy the dip. And I remember we, you know, we do a show as we exit the season every year of stuff we want to remember for next year. Because every year, so when you make the same mistake year after year, you regret it. My biggest takeaway from 2018 for the draft season was don't buy the injury dip. You know, Doug Baldwin was a great value last year, except... Until he wasn't. He wasn't at all. He was just <laughs> really injured. And so A.J. Green, I, I can be honest and say he's he's pretty much off my board in the sense that he'll never get to a point where I feel confident enough to to draft. I mean, obviously, if A.J. Green's sitting there in the eighth round, sign me up. But he's just – he's not going to get there. He's A.J. Green. So that's where uh, I'm I'm much more uh, opposed to buying the injury dip, having – you know, if, if you don't have an IR slot and you've got to take up a bench spot and then hope he comes back. And when he comes back and the Bengals – was Andy Dalton good enough without AJ Green to keep his job, or is a is is Dalton now gone and the Bengals are playing for that number one pick next year? Yeah, you know, I know, Mike. The the natural progression has been, I think, to run toward Tyler Boyd. Um, I just have this feeling that that Boyd is going to be, you know, kind of status quo, and that that somehow it's Joe Mixon that absorbed a lot of this mm. thing. Am I am I crazy? Uh, not necessarily. I would expect Joe Mixon's his target volume to go up, but right. I I liked Tyler Boyd. I mean, I like him more with with AJ Green there. I mm. because I think Boyd is a good wide receiver, but he's not he's not a one. And I mm. mean, you can see that from his contract, the contract that he accepted. I mean, he said, "Yeah, I'm not going to get paid like the the superstars." And, and so, but he's a great too. What we do know is his his target volume most certainly will go up. But will the scoring opportunities be there like they would if when you have an elite wide receiver on the field? So I I still like Boyd as long as people don't they don't radicalize and start moving his ADP <laughs> way up. If if he's in the same spot where he was, right. then I'm still very happy to to grab Boyd at that right like fifth fifth round area, sixth round. I'm just sort of sad. I've I've said for years that I felt like AJ Green among the top level receivers has always been the innocent bystander in Andy Dalton drive-by slander. (laughs) Right? Like, everybody looks at Andy Dalton, they're like, and then somehow, like, A.J. Green catches a few shots because of that, and so now he's, you know, he's sort of gone for us for a while, so uh, I don't know. Um, I I just hope that Joe Mixon, the situation there is last year he he couldn't get enough scoring opportunities, and then you get, you know, oh, a healthy Green, a healthy Boyd. That's my concern, too. Right? And so he could be the same kind of, like, can't get past that number 10 mark every week or something. Offensive line injuries. Yeah. I I was prepared to come into the season, like, really high on the Bengals, but, I mean, now with their offensive line concerns uh, continuing to to fall apart, now A.J. Green has dealt with this. This is his fourth uh, toe or foot problem in the last six years. Right. Man, it's it's really tough to buy in. I mean, we could be looking at an offense that's going to trot out because John Ross is also injured. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's going to trot out like Andy Erickson and Cody Core. Oh, yeah, Cody Core. Oh. Let's go. Oh, I mean, is this the Tyler Eifert uh, resurgence that you've been projecting for decades? <laughs> now? The, the opportunity will be there, but again, like. Who knows if he can stay on the field? Let's the say, the Bengals just, have so many question marks. I mean, they do. They do. Can we just get eight or eight or nine games out of Tyler Eifert? I think that's uh, tough that's division step one. too. You know, yeah, he looked good last year in limited targets. I went back yeah. and watched all of his targets last year. He looked. He was moving well. It's just 
Ability has never been his yeah. problem. Availability has always sort of mm. been the issue for him. The problem with Eifert, though, is he is his calling card when when he had the big season was the touchdowns, mm-hmm. and we're all talking about well, scoring opportunity is going to go down. Is he even going to be able to do that if he is available? So Eifert, I was I was ready to cape. I was ready to stand for Tyler <laughs> Eifert yet again. I moved that cape. I've. I, Taking that off, I've replaced it with my Jordan Reed kit, so we got that thing <laughs> hey, back nice. on. I like it. Uh, but you just yes. like pain. That's yes. what you like. Uh, you like pain. Uh, yeah, self-inflicted misery. Yeah. Yes. Is that cape come with like icy hot on or something? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, it's yes, it's endorsed by Shaquille O'Neal. Thing. There you go. <laughs> my you back go. is always ready to go. There you go. Uh, speaking of injuries, the New York Giants. Uh, their wide receiver core has been decimated, and it doesn't get any help because Golden Tate is facing a four-game suspension. Uh, for the performance-enhancing drug policy, running a foul of it. Uh, look, we, we mentioned the injuries. They, they've got guys hurt. Um, you know, we don't know what exactly they're going to do at quarterback, whether it's Daniel Jones or Eli Manning. Graham, uh, I would imagine that Saquon Barkley is going to get 1,100 touches <laughs> this year. Yeah, Saquon Barkley has the upside to see like 375 touches this year, which is just insanity. And he's the main reason. I mean, all the touch volume is the main reason. I'm sticking with him at the 101. But Evan Ingram, guys. Yes. That's, yes. That's, the guy. yes. that's the guy this year. Um, I, ha- I have been hammering him in the fifth and sixth round of drafts, and especially now with Tate out of the lineup. Corey Coleman just popped his ACL. I mean, the Giants three-receiver uh, tandem in their first four weeks is going to be very, very thin, and I expect Evan Ingram to see all the targets. Yeah, I, I completely agree. We were doing a mock draft the other day where we started at the 101, mm-hmm. and we drafted Saquon. We came around, I think it was that four or five turn, where it was like Evan Ingram is there. The value is worth it, but we were a little worried to really go all in on these New York Giants and their great offense with multiple pieces. Would you be worried about that? I can't do it either. I, I've, I've had the same problem. We'll have, dirty. we'll have Barkley yeah. at one or two, and yeah. it's like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can have two Giants on the same team. So This, this could be dumpster <laughs> fire so fast. So if you believe in Evan Ingram, you want to hit him in your drafts, maybe you pivot then off of Saquon with that first pick. To allow yourself to grab Evan Ingram. Yeah. Yeah, except, I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard to pivot off of Saquon as that first pick. And I, I say this as somebody who has, like, been carrying the banner for Christian McCaffrey as the 1.01, mostly because I just wanted to argue with people all summer long. But Oh, just like Mike. Yeah. Oh, no, I do it because it's what my heart believes. You like I mean, to argue, too. I do, believe, I do believe it, but also, like, I just thought it would be a boring summer if we were all like, Saquon's number one. Like, let's move on. Like, that's not fun. Um. So, but it is still hard to pivot off of that Saquon pick. Though. I do so th- much do, volume. Yeah, I do think people are starting to come around to it though. But I mean, with Zeke's holdout still kind of lingering, I, I, maybe maybe we'll get a little more push that Barkley's not the one hundred and one. Right. Uh, as we get closer to the uh, regular season, but still. Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about Zeke a little bit later because I, I do want to kind of get into that. Uh, last little bit of news: Andrew Luck is telling us things about his lower legs, his calves, his ankles, his Achilles. Uh, he was being, being very coy about it. Uh, eventually it just sort of sounds like if it were a regular season game, he would get out there and he would try to go. Andy, I feel like we've been down this road before with Andrew Luck. And I I just, I, I, it's deja vu all over again. A lot of places. Yeah. I mean, it gives you pause, doesn't it? I mean, we were in that, that same mock draft where we took Saquon one oh one. we took a couple running backs and we were asking the question, well, would you go in on T Y Hilton as your wide receiver one in this draft? And part of the thing that went into my head was, what if Luck wasn't there for four weeks or right. five weeks? And then do I have enough confidence in Hilton to be my wide receiver one on the team? Because this Luck recovery process is so coy. You know, he's here. He's fine. Oh, wait, no. He, he, he moved too 
too fast in the recovery, <laughs> which is another way of saying setback in my mind is, right. okay, you went out there, you had a setback. Now you shouldn't have to tell me that somebody's Achilles is okay. Like I, w- I should just assume that about a player. And so the concern, <laughs> there's concern. And, and, you know, he's so high in draft boards at quarterback, he's off of mine right now. And the, the timeline is what upsets me is the fact that he was dealing with this months ago. This is why he missed OTAs. And so it's like the fact that, that it's not recovered. It the the most like reminiscent thing that I can think about for any player in football happens to be from the same player. Where it was like, wait, why is the shoulder not better? <laughs> wait, this, so you're saying you're not trusting the Colts injury I am information? Not trusting the Colts <laughs> injury information. God, this, it burns me too because I I had kind of gone big in on on Andrew Luck being the QB one this year, but now. <sighs> I have to rethink that a little Well, bit. and let me ask the, the, the branching question where, yeah, T.Y. Hilton is the obvious one, but people love Marlon Mack. They're taking him. I love Marlon like, Mack. Like in the back of the third or the early fourth. But Marlon Mack for a for a Colts offense that is not led by Andrew Luck, I mean, he, we saw he was not utilized in, in the passing game where he has, I think he has the ability to do it, but they said, no, that's Hines. You, that's your role. What happens to Marlon Mack if Andrew Luck is gone for a couple weeks? I mean, he, he becomes kind of a jag. I mean, he's yeah. just a guy at that point, you know. And I and I, I literally just wrote a piece yesterday saying that, you know, you guys are undervalued. People are undervaluing Marlon Mack, but that was with the assumption that Andrew Luck is there and healthy. If he's not, then everything about that falls apart. Well, here, here's a comparison it, it, that popped into my head. What if, what if Brady was out? What do you think of Sonny Michel? Yeah. The, I mean, does the offense? I mean, how much does that offense change what they can do? Shockingly, a, a little that, bit more. I, I believe <laughs> you would him. like him more. No, no, no. I'm saying like more than Mac. Like it's it wouldn't be this 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 blacklisting of okay, well, Mac is no longer a, part of an Mac for me. Part of what Mac and what makes him attractive to me is the scoring opportunities that I think would be decimated. I mean, maybe Jacoby Brissett would set the world on fire. Yeah, but it would it just limits the upside of Mac being a guy that could be you know a t- ten plus touchdown player, and he has to. It is bizarre. I mean, Marlon Mack is a converted receiver out of USF. Right, it's that so, they wouldn't use him. It's so bizarre <laughs> that they wouldn't use him. But, yeah, I mean, we're buying him for that red zone touchdown right. upside. And, yeah, can't yeah. do it without luck. Cannot do it without Get luck. better, Andrew. Get better, Andrew. And, Colts, please tell us, like, actually what's going on. That, help, that would help, too. Please. That's it. There you go. That's pretty much everything you need to know. That was the news. Well, speaking of Marlon Mack, uh, let's talk some running backs because, you know, the maybe one of the big debates going on Twitter and football Twitter in general is this whole Arby's don't matter thing. I have been a vocal Twitter opponent of this. Whatever. I won't get into it. I don't really have the energy to fight it right now. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to talk about running backs because they still do have some importance. They still do have a place. Look, as long as we're fielding the position and as long as we're, we're drafting them in fantasy, they are worth talking about. So... The thing I always like to ask my guests when we have them on this show is, um, have you ever danced with the devil in a pit? No, sorry. No, that's not it. Um, I haven't. Wait, yeah. wait, if you call Batman references, we're, we're there. Mike's in. Yeah. Mike's All right, in on. there you go. Uh, 1989 only, though? Or yeah, we, uh, sure. Are we branching out? Are we getting nuts? <laughs> Let's get nuts. <laughs> Let's get nuts. No, um... The, the Todd Gurley situation, right? Because that's been one of the big talking points all spring, all summer long. What do we expect from Todd Gurley? I think we can all sort of agree that we're not going to actually see much of him until week one hits. Um, I mean, Jason, as we look at this and, and you know, the, the Rams are being very coy about it, we're not going to see him in the preseason. 
where do you feel comfortable taking him? I think first round maybe out of the question. Yeah. But are we looking, you know, late second? Are we going to the third? Where are we going? Uh, late late second, I'm uh, I'm okay with, but I'm not taking him in the first. It's one of those situations where no matter what they say, you have to look at what their transactions have been. What have they done with their money? You know, they re-signed Malcolm Brown off the the tender that was offered from the Lions. They use their draft capital to go, you know, get a running back in the draft that all three of us really like. They've already, you know, come out and basically said he's going to go from 80% of volume to 65%. Now, that's not to say that, look, if he gets the same touches and the same kind of utilization that Alvin Kamara has, he could be every bit as valuable as, as Alvin Kamara. But what Alvin Kamara does not carry with him is three games into the season after just just dominating, you'd go, oh, no, the knee is swelling up again from my already pre-existing condition. And when you're drafting him in the first or second round, you're, you're by necessity, not drafting other great players. I, I think what you have to do as a fantasy owner with Gurley is, is be the team that spent the first round pick on another running back and then have, if you want to take him in the second round at that point, all your eggs are not in that basket of Gurley having to produce to be your one. Maybe you just stole a one in the second round and you've got this stack, but that's the situation I would be in where I'd feel more comfortable. Comfort is not kind of associated with Gurley right now, but that would be as close as I'd get. And I've done that in a lot of drafts, mock drafts and regular drafts, right? There are multiple that I started, you know, maybe McCaffrey or Kamara and come back around right. the end and gotten Todd Gurley. And I'm like, I feel great about this with Gurley. Tell me Todd Gurley's my RB2. I can't be mad about that at all. Um, any fear of Darrell Henderson, Mike, maybe jumping in there and, uh, and, and eating some of this up? Yeah, there's there's certainly fear of him and and Brown. I mean, you can't you can't overlook the fact that that Brown was going to be a who's going to be a lion. Is that right? He was like the Detroit yeah. Lions offered him a contract, and yeah. the Rams said, "No, you're far too important. We're going to make sure that we have you on this team." So you Brown is have poised to, be to disappoint about it at least a little bit. He's yes. poised to disappoint the Henderson, Henderson owner and the Gurley drafter just by the you know opportunities that he's going to get. Yeah. Has he been drafted by anyone in any, in any of these offseason? I, I have not seen it at all. I'm taking him late in drafts, okay. like, like late best ball leagues, just because you mentioned. I mean, the the Rams re-signed him on a second round tender. Yeah, I mean that's a huge, huge tender yep. for a player that I don't think. <clears throat> any of us expected them to spend that much no, on. No, I'm way more concerned about Darrell Henderson than you guys. He's he's a sicko. He's, he's, oh, he's, he's gonna, great. <laughs> he's going to come in and I think really hopefully push for a role on passing downs very, very quickly. And if he proves to be the explosive playmaker that we saw in college Memphis, it's going to be really hard for Sean McVay to take him off the field. I mean, the Rams run outside zone more than any team in the NFL. Darrell Henderson averaged 10.7 yards per carry on outside zone runs last year in college. So That's on the one hand, good. on the yeah. one hand, I hear you. On the other hand, like I felt that way about John Kelly, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I felt that way about John Kelly, and he kind of got buried. I, I like John Kelly too, but Darrell Henderson is so much better of a prospect. And Kelly would turn into a sixth round pick. I mean, yeah. well, he's a sixth round pick. You're playing with house money in. Los Angeles, too, with that offense. When you're a running back, C.J. Anderson walked in and looked like, right. you know, a resurgent player. I mean, you talk about this all the time, Jason. It's just you're not facing the same kind of defenses when you've got those three guys on the outside that are running around and threatening downfield. Real quick, too. I mean, the Rams, this has been so underreported because the girly news has just kind of dominated the headlines. But the Rams' interior offensive line right now, they are going to be – they are replacing their left guard and center. Both of their uh, interior offensive linemen have, like, two or three games started between them. That's just another layer of, I think, risk with Gurley. Taking him in the second round 
just because the, the Rams' offensive line might not be as effective as it once and was. And you'd have to have efficient Gurley. Right. And now Darrell Henderson's vying for 8 to 12 touches per game. Malcolm Brown's going to mix in. I mean, it's it's not a situation I'm really finding myself taking too much of Gurley in the second round. But he does have that league-winning league, league winning appeal because the Rams' offense is just so sick. I mean, it is. It is. Um, yeah, I'm just... What happens? By the way, we were talking about you know what happens for, for running backs if quarterbacks fall apart. What happens if you know what we saw from Jared Goff in the back half of the season is is life now? If you know if, if teams have sort of figured out Jared Goff in that passing game, I mean that that throws a big monkey wrench in the middle of everything. Fingers right? crossed. Cooper Cup is healthy. <laughs> I think Cooper Cup is the differentiator in that offense, and you just gotta. I mean, every report that we've seen about his restructured ACL has been very positive. I mean, he seems right. legitimately ahead of schedule. Yeah, and for I, I have to support my man, Jared Goff. He's like he's my favorite late round quarterback right now. If you if you look at the last five weeks when it when it when he did fall apart, two of those weeks he didn't even play the full game and he was playing Detroit with the eight fewest passing yards allowed. Chicago, the seventh fewest, the Philadelphia game put up 339 yards. Just didn't have a touchdown. And then Arizona, who was great against the pass, and San Francisco. Like I think it was just a weird conglomeration of playing top-end passing defenses and the fact well, they, that two games he didn't even finish the whole thing. They start the season, Panthers, Saints, Browns. So to your point at the end of the season, if Goff doesn't have the confidence because of how the season ended and then starts slow, do you see like a disruption? Do you see people trying to buy low on Rams players if they have a tough start? I think that'll be interesting, too, the confidence of Goff going into the new season. Yeah, I think that, that'll be one to watch. Um, battle of the holdout running backs. Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, both sort of in different situations. I mean, one's in Cabo right now, which I, I'm not mad at that. I wouldn't mind being in Cabo right now either. Um, first, I guess, Mike, with, with Alfred Morris coming to the Cowboys signing, you know, they're conflicting reports. Like, some people say that maybe this is close. Other people say that it's not close. Are, are we starting to worry about Zeke at this point? I'm not worried from the fact that I'm hoping that Zeke has wise counsel around him to remind him that there is a date that is approaching quickly that you have to show up or you're going to mess up your entire contract situation. He doesn't have the same leverage that Melvin Gordon does with, with the potential of two uh, years that the Cowboys just own his rights. And that's not even counting in the franchise tag. So... Gordon's I'm far more concerned about. Yeah. I think Zeke will, will be back. But what's at least somewhat nice, theoretically, Zeke should not be getting hurt while he's in Cabo. Right. So I mean, he's, <laughs> we don't have to worry about the training camp report. Oh, crap, Zeke went down. <laughs> so that, that, that's somewhat nice. But I also, at the same time, I want him getting his body ready for contact. And I don't want the early hamstring injury from a player who was not in camp. Are you suggesting that Cabo is not conducive to one getting their body ready for? Well, there's, an NFL there's a, there are things that he's probably doing in Cabo that are not <laughs> sanctioned <laughs> by the team. Uh, I think it's interesting uh, that Jerry Jones is kind of done an about face here. Yes, um, that is interesting. If you look back at it, what he said, like in the spring, he's like, "Yeah, we're going to be giving Zeke a new contract. We'll look at Gurley's contract, and we'll just go from there." And now he's like. Yeah, you don't have to have a running back to win the they Super Bowl. He probably got the yeah. email from his agent, and it had a different number on it. And now he has to come out and at least play the part. I wouldn't be surprised if he's under contract within a couple weeks from now. I agree. But if you're drafting today, Graham, are you pausing yeah. about Zeke? No, nah, I'm still, okay. taking, I'm still right. taking Zeke, too. Yeah. Um, I'm not too concerned. Mike, it's interesting. So you say you're a risky player. Mm -hmm. 
where are you taking Melvin Gordon right now? Because I'm with you right. that I'm a lot more concerned about Gordon than Zeke. Uh, I'm risky, but... Not stupid? <laughs> yeah, like I, will, like, I mean, I'll have my take on Melvin Gordon. Please. And, and I, I believe he's going to miss games. And it could be more than four games. I think that he is dug in. I think that the Chargers are very much dug in on their stance of we saying we are, we're not going to be bullied by a running back demanding that we pay him more money when we have him under contract and we're going to give him $5 million or whatever it is that he is owed. So I think that this one goes close to the distance and ends up with Melvin Gordon holding his, putting his hands on his face and saying, all right, you win. I'll be back. I'll play these handful of games. But at that point for fantasy, it's, it's too late for all of right. us. I mean, Gordon, he has to have some games played this year so his contract yes. pulls over so yes. he can be eligible to become an unrestricted Otherwise, he's season. in the same boat next year. Right. I mean, yeah. look, and the charge is – it's not the exact same apples to apples, but it was the Chargers that tried to play this game with Vincent Jackson many years ago and then – Jackson said, okay, half the season's yep. done. Here I am now, yeah. so I don't get my contract problems. Yeah. And, and financially, I mean, obviously, the, the Chargers and all NFL teams have the money to pay to uh, their players. But the issue here is that, uh, you know, of that extra revenue that the teams get themselves from their home games and their all of that, they're not selling out a 25,000-seat stadium. It's hard to say, let me pay a running back at the highest level while our franchise doesn't have the stadium yet and we don't have that extra revenue to really make that make sense. And historically, the Chargers have not been, you know, they're, they're frugal. We'll, we'll call them <laughs> frugal. So uh, I, I think it's just a bad a situation where you, uh, I agree with Mike. I think I expect missed games. I'm going to correct you on one thing: that the Chargers are selling out the StubHub Center. It's just with other teams. Fans. <laughs> yes. Okay. You know, like the Eagles came to town a couple years ago, yeah. and Eagles fans dominated. I, the I place. remember Week One, they reported the sellout. And then you saw the photos where it's like, okay, sure you sold this out <laughs> as the, you know, there's a lot of seats out. There. It's just a late arriving crowd, you know. Yeah, yeah. I will say I saw Dave Matthews in that venue. It's great for music. They should so, CGI ooh. the fans in. I will like say, mad. <laughs> they should just put them in the stands on the telecast. I will say it's pretty far. I mean, if you're driving from LA, it, it does take some time to get down there. It, it's a little bit. I mean, you have to get the four intersection of the four hundred five and the one ten. Oh, now we're on the California. It's not bit. great, but you know the good. The good part about that is if you're lucky and you drive by at the right time, you'll see the Goodyear blimp just parked on the ground there. Okay. <laughs> there it is. Uh, you know, plenty of upsides. Uh, Jason, have we forgiven Le'Veon Bell? Yeah, I know he he put out his apology the other day. Have we forgiven him? Or, uh, or I've, I've forgiven him. I have a harder time forgiving Adam Gase. So there's there's some crossover there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, even last year, Lev Bell was the on average the second pick, and then um, you did not get him. So uh, we we just talked about this uh, on another show. I'm I am not a huge believer in Le'Veon Bell as an early first-round pick, you've got him going from one of the best offensive lines in football with his running style where he's patient with great vision. He just waits for the holes to open up and glides through them. The problem is, in New York, these holes might open up to defenders coming right through as opposed <laughs> to never pushed at all. out of the way. Right, or the holes don't open and the pocket collapses. So I'm just worried a little bit about the running style. Obviously, his pass catching can supersede all of that if he's used in that way, but since we haven't seen it in this system, I'm weary. Like, like Mike said, I'm, I'm risk adverse, especially in the first few rounds. I haven't seen it in that system, so hard do, time by Do we have, and I'm asking this for the first time right here, do we have a weird double standard with 
Lev Bell expectations in New York compared to Saquon Barkley and the offense in, you know, for the other New York team where we, we know the Giants are going to likely struggle on offense. We still don't care because the volume's there. Is it a weird double standard? I mean, Lev Bell was the best fantasy running back in the game, catches passes better than anybody in football on the New York team that I think is on the way up with Sam Darnold. I would. I say, just wonder about that because we're burned, right? We're burned sure. by the bad Lev season. And, and Saquon can out-athlete people, even at the NFL NFL sure. level. Where that's, I mean, Lev, Le'Veon Bell is fantastic, but you're you wouldn't say that he's the super metric star that Saquon Barkley is. He's a he's a tactician. He beats you with finesse and and so three hundred carry three hundred touches for Saquon means something different than 300 touches yeah, it for Le'Veon Bell in it, their current environments? It does to me. I would also say, and this is maybe just me being emotional, but Adam Gase has a lot to do with this for me in the sense that, you know, if you believe the reports, he didn't seem to want Le'Veon Bell around, right? And this is the guy who, at least from the surface, seems like he can be vindictive when it comes to players he <laughs> doesn't want. Ask, yes. Jay, ask Jay Ajayi, ask Kenyon Drake, right, like right. ask these guys that he's had who are talented players who couldn't seem to get the football. And so... If Adam Gaines is in a situation where he, he doesn't really like Le'Veon Bell, he didn't really want him on the roster, like, you know, what's to say he doesn't say, you know what, I'm going to get, get this by the ball, you know, 12 to 15 times per game, and he's just not getting the kind of volume we expect him to get. We have a nickname for Adam Gaines on our <laughs> show. Oh, don't bring it up. It's not, it's not uh, PC. Oh, it's, it's a censored nickname. <laughs> we call him Mr. B-Hole. Okay. Okay. Yeah. For his utilization, it stands of for trait. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of disappointment, obviously, with why isn't Kenyon Drake getting more carries? Yes. You know, the more effective player is not always seeing the field. Yeah. The vindictiveness you talked about. So uh, the grudges, though, there's two grudges in play. That's why I'm saying we could have our blinders on with Love Bell. <laughs> I'd be curious, Graham. What do you think about his volume there in New York? Because I, people are afraid. Yeah, I think I think maybe. Only Barkley has a higher touch expectation if you give him 16 games. That's where I'm getting to it. The problem, the problem, guys, is when Le'Veon Bell is on the board at like 1-9, do I take him or Julio Jones? Do I right. take Odell Beckham? Yeah. Do I take Michael Thomas? And most of those times, I'm leaning towards the receiver because I, right. I think all three of those guys can become the receiver one, and we do have all of the concerns we just listed off about Bell. Oh, I was hoping you had none of those concerns <laughs> and I could just change my whole thought no, process. No, I mean, it's just, I've been, you know, when I'm in the back half of that first round, it's just those receivers are so, so high. Yeah, I, it's, I, I haven't drafted Lev in any mock because I'm staring those guys down too. I mean, you talk about that. I mean, part of the reason he sat out a full season is because he made the case. He's like, I'm essentially a number one receiver and a number one running back rolled into one. Um I mean, who's to say he can't challenge that? Yeah. I, mean, I know we love Robbie Anderson and I know you know, people love Jamison Crowder, but like, Lev Bell can be as good as receiver as, as I'd throw guys. to Lev Bell if I was the quarterback. That's I'm, what I would do. I'm excited to see what Darnold and Bell can do because Darnold desperately, desperately needed somebody that he could rely on either in early downs, check down situations, third downs last year, and he did not have that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, some other running backs just kind of outside. I guess they may be the third tier or however you want to you set them apart. But uh, Derrick Henry, Marlon Mack, Carrion Johnson, Leonard Fournette. I know we talked a little bit about Mack. Uh, just kind of throwing this out to the room. Any one of those four guys do anything more for you than the other? Yep. One of them? <laughs> There's only one guy that can catch the football uh, on a regular basis uh, on there. We yeah. will cede the floor to Jason. Yeah, yeah look, He's wearing I, his lion blue today. <laughs> I, am, uh, I am a year and a half in. <laughs> on my carry-on Johnson truth reveal, 
there is no bigger believer in his talent than than myself. I, I believe that because he is to me one of the best actual running backs in the league. Uh, he can get to he, he can run up and get the hard yards inside. He can get get to the edge quicker than defenders. He's a great receiver. He has everything in his arsenal. The issue has always been volume. Is he going to get it? Obviously, they want to have a, a running back by committee. But the fact that they cut Theo Riddick is not just what the opportunity that opens up for Carry On Johnson, but the ability that they believe they can cut Theo Riddick says they see what everyone else sees. And, uh, you know, in the games that Carry On Johnson. You know, you got to throw out those first two weeks where he he was a clear backup, wasn't utilized much. LeGarrette Blunt was the guy. They made that transition in week three, and before he got injured in week 11, through that stretch, he was on average like the running back 14, and that was for a bad, 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 bad <laughs> team. <laughs> you know, if, if Matthew Stafford's injury that came out in the offseason was legit and, they, you know, they've kind of retooled, the offensive line is a little bit more improved, and now they're going to be using far more efficient, uh, you know, people at the running back position, I, I just think – I think it's impossible, and we've talked about this on the show, I think it's impossible that on Johnson – finishes below the running back 15. I, I don't see a world, barring injury, where that happens. And I think his upside is to be a hyper-efficient. I mean, he was 5.4 yards yeah. a carry last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you, you can <laughs> disagree <laughs> all you want. No, I, I, and I shall. Uh, it, the thing <laughs> is, is, is you say it's impossible for him to be in that range. I think it's going to be a challenge for him to be in the top 10. The last two years, you know, you've had two guys and then three, or three guys and then two guys that were on losing teams. At the running back position, finished in the top 10 in fantasy. They were 24th in points per game last year. The, my challenge is scoring opportunities for on Johnson on this roster. So I think it's going to be a challenge for him. I have him at 16. You said he finished 14 in that stretch. You got the injury concerns. I don't want to rain on your parade whatsoever. I really don't. You can't. Because the talent. <laughs> literally impossible. The already sold. I'm but inside. I, but like last year, right? Like David, David Johnson last year finished at RB10. And it was a ter- it was a terrible year, and you say, "Oh man, he salvaged it." Two hundred fifty eight carries, fifty receptions. I don't think Carryon hits those kind of numbers, mm. and that got David Johnson to ten. That's my belief. And efficiency always changes with volume. Fantasy, I mean, it just does. Fantasy points. Uh, everyone here knows that so much more valuable with a pass than with a rushing attempt. No doubt. Matthew Stafford no doubt. has always hyper-targeted the running back. That's why Theo Riddick's been valuable. He's not going to stop throwing to a running back now that he has a better one to no, throw to. No, he won't. So, you know, I mean, I think you're talking about carry-on as a guy that could be up in the 85-plus target range, and, and that's not to guarantee it, but if something like that happens, now you're talking huge upside. You're not talking like, oh, he's the running back 13. You're talking about he's a top-five guy. Last year, the the couple games, a handful of games, that Theo Riddick was out and Carrion was in, Carrion went from three and a half targets a game all the way up to five and a half targets a game. And that was st- that's still factoring in Carrion working his way to becoming the the 1A of the offense. So I'm, I'm, I lean far more on Jason's side that I think Carrion's going to be great. I would have been on Andy's side if we talked about this two weeks ago, but I flipped. Uh, after the theoretic cut, after the big theoretic uh, news, man, like in their all eight, are welcome. In their eight games, <laughs> in their eight games played together last year, Riddick out-targeted Johnson forty-five to twenty-five. I mean, that's humongous. The Lions' running backs last year combined to uh, combined to put up the second most receptions among all teams last year. If if we get, like you mentioned, Stafford has always had that pass catching running back. If we get 
Johnson on the field on like 70% of the Lions passing snaps, he's going to go nuts this year. So I was redoing my ranks based on the news, and I moved him up to 13 right above Devonta Freeman. Um, how do you guys feel like about carry on relative to Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Devonta Freeman, Marlon Mack too, we can throw him in there, Aaron Jones. That whole tier seems like that there's just so much um, – I guess there's just no consensus in that range. How do you guys uh, Cook, have that Cook's tier? my favorite of that tier. My, mine sure. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cook would be the only guy I, I have above carry on out of those players you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think it's an interesting it's an interesting thing because there's – right now in PPR leagues, we, we want to target those pass-catching running backs, but we're still seeing Derrick Henry, we're still seeing Marlon Mack, Leonard Fournette, guys that aren't necessarily locked into passing down roles, still getting put up into that tier. Um I do think it's an interesting kind of tier break that we have with all these running backs right now. Yeah, uh, even even Fournette and and uh, and Derrick Henry is a couple of them too. Like I, I know I took Fournette in a lot of early drafts because he just kind of fell in my lap, you know, late third round, early fourth round. But I think the more I think about this, I, you know, you talk about you know, running backs on bad teams, and, and the Jaguars still project to not be a great team this year. Uh, and I, I'm starting to. Kind it's of a tough think. division. I think that's the concern. Like for the bounce, the counter bounce back case for the Jags all has to do with. What I think is a great Houston team, a great Colts team. Mm-hmm. I think Tennessee's underrated. They're they've improving. Made, they've yeah. made upgrades on both sides of the ball. So it's you start to look in, in the division and you go, wow, are the Jags really going to bounce back just because you had Nick Foles? Fantasy owners need to, to look at Leonard Fournette freshly, not through the lens of two or three years ago's expectations, right. and then you're probably okay with them. I want to get your guys' take on them hiring John Filippo. As the OC for for the Jaguars, who for the last couple of years it's been entrenched in the DNA, we're we're the tough men, and we we <laughs> run. We're gonna run better than you. We're gonna play defense, and then you hire as your offensive coordinator a man who was just fired because he called too many passing plays, and that, like that's been his mo and his two stops as an OC of of over six hundred passing attempts. Like how does how does that jive with? What we know the Jaguars have been over the last couple of years. I don't. I don't necessarily know that it does. But well, I, I mean, I think if you look at the the Jaguars' moves in totality, they're all sort of confusing in that way because they went out and they broke the bank to bring in Nick Foles because right. they felt like Blake Bortles was no longer the answer. Which you know, I think we can sort of agree he, he probably was always wasn't. the question. He was. <laughs> I mean, look, they went to the AFC Championship in spite of him, not because of him, right? So they bring in Nick Foles to, to try and shore up the quarterback position. They bring in, as you mentioned, Don John D. Filippo. But they still are holding to this idea that they want to be a run-first team, and they still want to lead this thing through Leonard Fournette. So it doesn't make sense. I mean, I guess that's a long way of me saying that, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I will say, too, if they do pass more, it might be a good thing for Fournette because it'll be less contact in between the tackles and more targets for him. The, the running backs in this depth chart behind them. Oh, they're great. Does less contact mean less injury? Is that the <laughs> I implication? Hope. I hope. <laughs> Fournette, that's, yeah. that's you're keeping those fingers crossed there. Yeah. yeah, but if that's the case, then why do you let a guy like TJ Yeldon go? Because you can bring Alfred Blue in, man. Come on. Oh, yeah. My, my bad. <laughs> my bad. Yeah. Totally forgot about that. Uh, yeah. So there you go. It's a little bit of running back talk. I'm sure there'll be plenty more before we get to uh, the start of September. Um, they matter, people. Running backs matter. <laughs> um, in the show with, uh, I like to do this thing every now and then, the fantasy draft of things where we just go and we, we go around Robin and we draft, uh, you know, 
we draft things. Uh, so this week's topic, Disney has set a record for global box office sales for a single studio. They have hit $7.67 billion for this year. Uh, it's not even officially August yet, and they still have a few more movies coming out. The Lion King just went over a billion. Toy Story 4 is closing in on $1 billion. So I felt like this was a chance to say, let's draft which are the best Disney movies mm. of all time. Now. Whoa couple of stipulations. Uh, I included all the Pixar films. So, you know, you get the Toy Stories, the Cars, whatever, up, that sort of thing. Uh, Excluding any of the Marvel movies or the Star Wars movies, because while they are technically Disney properties now, nobody nobody considers them Disney movies. I'm going out to see that new Disney movie, The (laughs) Avengers. (laughs) Right, exactly. So I feel like those movies don't count, but the Pixar movies definitely within the family, those definitely count. So, uh... I figure, you know, one of the one of our guests should be the first draft pick. So I'll call it because you're on the. <laughs> in- <laughs> I see, because you guys are on the ends. I feel like you know, Jason and Andy, you guys should like rock paper scissors. Oh, to you, you can, I don't ever win that against him, so you can just oh. take the first. All right, pick. so there you go. I think he's, like, he's, so, he has conceded to yeah. you now. Yeah. I'm so happy because the there's, first a, there's a Saquon here. Okay, uh, it's Toy Story. Toy Story is uh, it, it created Pixar. It created. Uh, the whole Was that, genre. 20 years old now? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's like... I mean, Toy Story 4 just came out a few months ago. I so. like that your argument against the <laughs> no, movie No, I wasn't is arguing against it. It's 20 years old. I was, enforcing, I was uh, reinforcing it. It's I like mean, set the table uh, for the okay. last 20 years. My kids will not watch non, you know, 3D computer animated cartoons. Like when they, you know, you put on a cartoon that's just like flat. It's like, what is this old thing? <laughs> uh, you know, so. High standards. And that whole genre was created by Toy Story. So I'm going to go with uh, Toy Story, the clear 101. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, I will follow that up. And I'm going to go with The Lion King. Uh, I was be- hoping it would slip. I really shouldn't have given away the first pick. You should not. Terrible should decision. Not. The good news is we'll do a snake draft so you can go oh, back to back. I get back to back? Yeah, okay. we'll go, we'll go right. back to back. So I'm going to go Lion King because, I mean, look, you want to talk about as, you know, as much as Toy Story is iconic, The Lion King equally iconic to the point that they made uh, a what I understand to be a fairly flat and sort of mediocre I liked it. CGI remake. I haven't seen it yet. They'll just bounce back to the like animated version like in twenty more years, and then just keep going back and forth. Like I just infinity. feel like I feel like this new version of the Lion King is sort of like their new Coke, right? And they'll bring back <laughs> they'll bring back the animated version. Everybody's like, oh, this is great, and you know, then they'll make another billion dollars off that. But anyway, that's 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 one too. Mm. Mike, it's upsetting. I was hoping the Lion King would slip to me, so I will take the backup option in the hand animated. I'm going to take Aladdin. Oh, Ooh, okay. Sniped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In your face. <laughs> um, that makes me, I guess I'll have to go down. And yeah, just, that, those are the three, those are the three that I wanted. Yeah. So that's great. <laughs> I'll, I'll just go with a, with an old favorite and say Beauty and the Beast. I mean, okay. I mean, okay. Cla- I mean, it's classic. All right. All right. Great. Great. That means I'm going to have to slide into like uh, some of the newer Disney but you, movies. But you, you get back to back here, Andy. So, uh, yeah, that's you not, get that's two not a gift. mediocre <laughs> I get two mediocre picks. Uh, I'll, you know, Here comes I, haven't, I haven't seen more of a Disney movie. You know, I've got three kids than I've seen of Frozen mm. in the last oh, that's a great year. Pick. That so, Frozen, really good. so Frozen is going to be uh, my my first rounder. And then on the turn, this is where it gets a little more complex. But I guess I'll, I'll go. Uh, I'll go Little Mermaid. That was the one I was hoping got back. You know, that's we're, a good call. We're five guys sitting at the table. Little Mermaid is usually <laughs> like the, the one we all run to, but it's so well, good. Well, you remember I, King Triton. That's where it's at. Yes. Mm-hmm. The power. Yeah, we do. Yes, how, true. how many rounds are we going? Uh, we'll go three rounds. Okay. Three rounds. 
Uh, I will just go with another classic here in Dumbo. I mean, all right, mm. yeah. all right. I mean, I watched that movie probably like fifteen plus times as all a right. kid. So yeah, all right, all right. Uh, all right, Mike, back to you. All right, I know I am not going to win it if we put this up to any polls, but I will draft <laughs> with my heart. Oh, I so, know it's coming. So I will take a goofy movie, yeah. which oh. is actually the best animated <laughs> movie from, from the Disney studio yeah, with the, the best Disney soundtrack as well. All right. Uh, well, if we're, if we're voting with I was our... hoping you go Aladdin too, but whatever. <laughs> oh, trust me, I've seen Return of Jafar. Uh, I mean, if we are if we are voting with our hearts, then I, I got to join me. I got to dig back way into the into the vaults and go with the animated Jungle Book. Oh, right. Nice. Which the nice. music is great. I think uh, the yes. animation's great. It's just, it has that, you know, from about the 60s, the late 50s, whenever it was. Um, it's always been a favorite of mine. So we're going to Jungle Book. Yeah, that's that's good. So now I've got back-to-back you picks do. to finish it out. To finish this out. So I know the two I should take, but those aren't going to be the two I take. I sh- you know. What? Are you going to pander bear? No, I'm going to do the opposite. <laughs> I'm going to do the opposite of my oh. usual pander bear. It, it's good a, for you. I could win the draft here with two clear picks. He wants you to know that. I, I, want, <laughs> I want everyone aware. Um, I'm going to take Monsters, Inc. because I, I love Monsters, Inc. It's great. And I'm going to uh, not take the other Pixar movie that I'm sure one of you might take. And instead, I'm going with my heart, with my youth, my musical theater background, and I'm going newsies. I see. I knew. I felt I had Dude, a feeling. That's a great pick. <laughs> Christian Bale. <laughs> Young Christian Bale. Oh, <laughs> that's a great pick. Great. Uh, that's probably the best movie that's ever been made. Wow. Your that's... pick is one of the best ever. <laughs> Got it. Got it. <laughs> Now I understand. Man. Uh, wow, so this, this leads me with a lot of different directions that I can go I right now. Um, but I I feel like you put this in the air, Jason, by saying you're not going to take the other Pixar put it movie. in the air? So, Up. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yes, that was. It should have been Monsters there Inc. It up because... That, interesting. Yeah, there it is. Nice. I mean, look, man. If you want a master class on how to make people cry and yeah. without, like, without ever speaking a word in a yeah. film, yeah. it's the opening of Up. So you like crying. Crying makes the movie good. I mean, look, Got man, it. every Pixar movie is about crying. You yeah. can't have a Pixar yeah. You're right. You're you can't right. have one without crying. We're not too proud to cry. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man, I, I can't even think about Inside Out. Like, it's, right. We're not going to do it. So, But I'm still going to go with my heart. And the, the movie I have seen as much as a goofy movie is The Emperor's New Groove. Oh, so really? Good. Wow. It's so funny. Which is... A lot of people don't even know it exists. I don't even think, I didn't I've think seen Dave, it. I didn't think David Spade would make this. Uh... Oh no, Dave D Spade, shout out, <laughs> good friend of the show. <laughs> I am gonna, I'm gonna make my cry, and I was gonna take Inside Out. Oh, oh. I said, don't talk about it. <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I just loved the the fresh take of oh, just all the characters. It's amazing. It was, Very a good, neat. It was a g- actually good movie. Yes. All right. Uh, all right. So Andy, two picks you get, left. You get to uh, you get to finish this out, right? Oh, it's up to me. Yeah, we're going you three. You're going three. Out. Oh, yeah, inside got out. it. Inside yeah. Out. All right. Yeah. Um, he thought you were Finding just Nemo. Oh. oh. Finding Nemo. That's, that's what, when you alluded to the other Pixar movie. That's what I, you I, thought. Wasn't, I thought you meant that and it's not up. So oh. shout out to Rescuers Down Under. <laughs> just, <laughs> a little, just as a little backup. <laughs> shout out to the uh, Fox Peter Pan. Yes, or, uh, absolutely. Uh, the, the Robin Hood. Robin Hood the Robin yes. Hood with the Fox. Absolutely. <laughs> Which, right. by the way, I mean, you got Blue basically in both of those. Oh, that in the Jungle Book. That's back when they was just like the same three voice actors in every Essentially in every movie. Absolutely. I mean, look, you know, Andy. I feel like you have a strong draft. Thank Frozen, you. Little Thank Little you. Mermaid, and Finding Nemo. From so maybe giving up the first pick wasn't so bad. From the fifth spot, I feel like you had a pretty strong draft there. So Thank you. Uh, I don't know. Maybe will we try to maybe put this on the interwebs? Put this up to oh, a poll we, at this point. Now that then you said I it. take up. 
Uh, guys, I had a lot of fun. You guys are you guys kind of made the world tour here. I mean, you were in Rich Eisen show. You guys were doing a show at Largo for folks in it's sold out though. I'd say for folks in LA to go see it, but it's sold out. So. Drive to Phoenix. You can Dr- listen on Monday. The live show will be up. There you go. Yeah. Um. So Eisen, you guys are going to do uh to folks at Yahoo. Um. Wait, yeah. is, are we allowed do, to say Yahoo? No, we can say Yahoo. We, we have plenty of friends over at Yahoo. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Matt, Matt Harmon, come on now. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't sure <laughs> if we were allowed to out, say his don't name. Don't say it out loud. He'll get ideas. He um, does he have the California tan now? Is oh, absolutely. He's, he's fully California oh, man. out, man. He's, you know, he lost weight. He's in shape. He's yeah. like, he's, he's super California. Yeah. Yeah. Anything below 75 degrees needs a jacket. <laughs> uh, but hey, I appreciate you guys stopping by, man. It's been appreciate a lot of fun. It. Thank yeah. you for having us. We yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely. You guys do awesome work here. Dude, I appreciate you guys too as well. Uh, so there you go. The Fantasy Footballers. You can find them uh, on the tw- your, your, ran- your uh, individual Twitter handles. At Andy Holloway. Them. At FF Hitman. At Jason FFL. All right, cool. There so go, go check them out if you haven't already. If you haven't, I don't really know what you guys are doing with your lives. So uh, <laughs> go, go figure that out. Um, a quick reminder before we get out of here. Starting next week, Monday, August 5th, we'll be going to two shows a week. Uh, We'll be recording on Mondays and Wednesdays. That means officially that the NFL summer is over because we are really getting back to work. So I look forward to doing that as well. Oh, also a quick note. We were hoping to get to Chargers camp. Uh, Scheduling issues may have prevented that. We're trying to see if maybe that'll happen. But uh, We've we've talked about a preseason game. Yes. Yeah. So potentially a preseason game. Yeah, we'll get something Uh, figured out. We'll we'll figure something out. Uh, It it hasn't worked out the way we'd hoped, but we're going to try and get something uh, going on with the Chargers as well. So there you go. That's it. We are done. We appreciate you listening as always. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, the early bird gets the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. We'll see you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.